like the opera. Well, what are they singing for? Who sings? You got something to say? Say it. Jerry, you don't understand. That's the way they talk in Italy. They sing to one another. That's the way it was, you know? I mean, you listen to the language, it's got that sing-songy quality to it. It's the language, Jerry. The language. <laughs> so why don't they talk like that now? Well, it's, uh, well, it's too hard to uh, keep up. You know, they got... They were tired. Well, I don't want to be a secondary character. Yes, Stephen. There's a hair in my mouth, and you put it there. I'm sorry. You know I'm going to kibosh you. You know I've kiboshed before, don't you? You've kiboshed me before. Yes. Not you know again. I haven't kiboshed our okay. listeners, and uh, welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast about the secondary characters of our show. I'm Stephen. I'm Ivan, but I don't want to put a kibosh on our listeners. They're so good. I just said I wasn't going to. No, you, you weren't going to, or you shouldn't? put a kibosh on them what are, you, what are you trying to get at both both okay that's what i meant yeah whatever right. i said doesn't matter what i mean is that i shouldn't i won't and i never will very good likewise yes and today we are heading to pagliacci the opera because you know in italy they sing to each other right they do you being of uh, italian descent and me having been to italy once for a week and a half <laughs> 10 years ago we can both verify that unequivocally. To, but i don't want to be a secondary character oh, you can do the r rolls uh, yes you've got a good voice eh, what are you right. doing well last week you know to finish off uh the, the pool guy episode i was singing a bit of opera it's true know, to, to conclude there was like the coda good dovetail into this episode indeed it is yes yeah. so uh what do you reckon steve we're going to talk about a few characters today i've got some notes today on um well you and i spoke about it last week and we thought joe davola should have his own what's the deal with episode so i, I think we'll save like the the meat about him maybe for another time but yeah I'll we'll, touch we'll on talk the... about him in the context of this episode just what he does yeah but him as a person more broadly we'll save for a what's the deal yeah i'd like to talk about how he knows karate yep. and um, basically his love for opera how he got it yeah yeah, I yeah. Think we'll just touch on those for sure uh i have notes on mr and mr sorry mr and mrs reichman mm-hmm. and uh, harry fong quote yep. unquote yep yeah yeah harry yeah george's yeah. name for him george's pretend mate yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it i've got uh notes on all of those characters plus uh the street pagliacci the one who isn't too happy with Jerry's reason for not giving him uh, a donation. Originally named Kenny the Clown. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's a bit of trivia that I picked up on. Awesome. Yes. If you have a favorite character from this episode, let us know. Uh, email us, bidwabaspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a website, bidwabask.com. And we're on social, Stephen. What's our handle? Uh, at bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. And uh, we're also available on iTunes uh, and YouTube as well. Yes. So search Seinfeld or search, but I don't want to be a secondary character and we should come up. Indeed. We have plenty coming up today. We've got a bit of uh, Seinfeldia later on, some Seinfeldisms. Yep. And a bit of fan mail or listener mail, uh, a nice tweet we got during the week. So <laughs> we'll uh, present that to you. That's right. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about some Seinfeld news. Seinfeld news. 
So a few things to get through uh, this week for our uh, Seinfeld news. So to start off, I thought I'd just uh, talk about Jerry's announced some new tour dates. So Oh, in America or overseas in America. or otherwise? Oh. Yeah, in North America. Nice. Uh, so through May and June, you'll be able to catch him in uh, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma. So he's heading down south. Oh, very nice. Yep. And uh, crossing the, uh, is it the Mason Dixie line down uh, to down south? That's got, sure. that's got something to do with the South of America. Oh, we have a few listeners from the South. If yeah. that's what it's called, just let us know. Hello, if you're from there, if you're from the South, in yeah. either of those states. I know the Mason Dixie know. line is something to do with the South. I don't know if it's a border or a thing or a. I, yeah. I thought it was like a 90s grunge band. Mason Dixie line. <laughs> what? <laughs> it sounds like, you know, like Alice in Chains. You know, those those kind of band names, like those kind of... It reminds me of like a Because it's got a, a, a female name? Like I don't know. It's Mace just like... Dixie? It's like something that I would have heard uh, in like 1992. Okay. You know. Fair enough. It's like they released their uh, sophomore grunge album. Okay. You know. Cool. Yeah. Jane's um, Addiction, second album, yeah, yeah. Mason Dixie Line. Mason Dixie Line. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. I, I wasn't going there, but well, yeah. yeah. That's that's what I... That's how I saw it. Sure. So, why the hell not? Easy. Uh, <laughs> You're like, moving on, yes. Yeah, no, it just went to a place I didn't think it would go. That's oh, all. there you go. That, well, that, that's that's the uniqueness of Bimba Basque. We, right. you know, we can go off on different tangents. That's right. That's the fun of it. We can. Mm. What would a uh, tangent be if a fan joined us? A fan? Oh, no. I'm not even going to give you the privilege of me saying that word. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I was about to say it. But then no, I was you like, said the word. Listen back. I? Yeah. Oh, boy. When we finish recording this, listen back, and you, you did exactly what I wanted fangin, you to do. Fangin, 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 fangin. There you go. No. You've taken the power out of the word by saying it. Yep. You've reclaimed the word. <laughs> uh, Jerry will also be playing a date in British Columbia in Canada. Oh. Uh, they're all happening through May and June. Uh, I don't know the city, so jump on his website or whatever, your local listings, and uh, yeah, you'll be able to catch him. So Nice. It looks like he'll be touring through the rest of the year, sort of on and off in between comedians and cars getting coffee and all of his other commitments. So Very good. Yeah, really Very cool. Yeah. So this is sort of a, mm, this is pretty heartbreaking, actually. Oh, what happened? But it's it's sort of a, not, not heartbreaking, heartbreaking, but it's, uh, you'll understand. So it's not soul-crushing, but it's mm, kind of... Well, it's probably more soul-crushing than heartbreaking. Oh, shit. Tell me. So... In the last couple of months, there's been a lot of speculation that was uh, started by a uh, sort of casual comment made by Seinfeld when he was on Ellen. She asked him if a, if a Seinfeld reboot would actually happen. And um, he said, yeah, I'd be open to it. And of course, people just ran with that and assumed oh, that it was going to happen. I've got, I, we, I was one of the people that drank the Kool-Aid as well. Yeah, we even know? we even speculated saying... Uh, like what I think could happen in the about show. About three or four episodes yeah, ago, we, did we like talked our about... Potential plot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we yeah. sort of said, you know, it would make sense uh, if it happened next year. Yeah. Uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is finishing, finishing Veep, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, through the week, uh, an article came out from The Hollywood Reporter um, uh, with uh, the NBC chairman. His name's uh, Bob Greenblatt. He told the reporter that um, it was just an article about revivals in general, probably prompted by the recent uh, Roseanne revival that's been sort of um, really successful. Yeah, big ratings juggernaut in the US. Yeah, that's first right. First few episodes, yeah. And yeah. Um, the, the Hollywood Reporter asked him which shows would or wouldn't get a reboot, potentially. What are they looking at and what are they sort of, um, you know, knocked back? And he did say that The Office and also The West Wing are potentially getting a reboot. Oh, man. They were popular shows. The West Wing. Yep. Good one. Um, and he... Basically said that uh, Cheers, Friends, and Seinfeld will not be getting a reboot. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. Do you think it like we've reached the point now where you know people don't appreciate new TV shows anymore and they kind of cling on to the nostalgia? Do you think we'll be seeing more? Like, obviously, Will and Grace came out last year. Mm. Roseanne came out this year. Seinfeld was you know helmed 
Mm. It was a potential Seinfeld revival, and there's been like revivals in the last few years of like older shows. Do you think we'll get to the point like where all most of our favorite shows will come back as like reboots and revivals and stuff? No, I don't think so. I mean, if you do, you think nostalgia's really affected a lot of people? Yeah, definitely. But I think there's room for both. Mm. I mean, all think of the most successful shows over the last three or four years: Game of Thrones, Stranger Things. They're all brand new shows, brand new concepts. Um, you know, some of them are based on previously written material, but I, I think Roseanne and Will and Grace and, you know, to a lesser extent, Fuller, Fuller House, because that wasn't received as well. No. That just flashes in the pan. I don't think they're going to take away from viewership for new shows. Okay. Um, I mean, you look if you go onto Netflix, you know, if you just log on to their, onto Netflix. Yeah. 95% of what there is brand new content. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just think on the side, there'll just be these little flashes of nostalgia. I don't think it'll overtake new new content. But there'll always be room for those kind of shows. Oh, yeah. 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 I think, I mean, TV viewing now is so ubiquitous because, you know, from sort of The Sopranos, really, that time, like the mid-2000s, yeah. um, you know, the, the idea of watching TV as not just something to kill time, but as an activity, something, what did you do on the weekend? I watched a whole series. That's considered a productive, good weekend, yeah, not just is. sitting around scratching my ass. <laughs> um, like I normally do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think because people relate to TV in that way now is like a thing to do, like a, a task to do, not just a way to passively kill time. Right. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's changed the way people relate to TV. And then that's created room for just, you know, bits and pieces of nostalgia that come up occasionally. That makes perfect sense. I think so. Yeah, it's just a shame we won't get the Seinfeld revival. Definitely. That well, we all I mean, asked for. You know, I mean, yeah. it could still happen, mm. but, you know, at the moment it doesn't look like it will. It's just to us, like we mentioned a few weeks ago, the stars have aligned for it. Yeah. Like everything just happens to be working out yep. for the cast to be reunited. Yeah. You know? yep. That's why I thought it's, you know, it's on. Yeah. But it's not quite. And this could be deliberate strategic mm. obfuscation or misleading <laughs> of... of you know, of something that's happening by NBC. My dream would be, or not, not even NBC. I've I've predicted that if there's going to be a Seinfeld revival, it'll be on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that maybe later in the year, Netflix mm-hmm. will release like a teaser picture or a video, yep. and it'll have like Seinfeld yep. now on Netflix, mm-hmm. and like they'll say on top of the revival series, all of Seinfeld's now on Netflix, like mm-hmm. all nine seasons. You know, they must have made a deal with Jerry or something. Yep. To get them all. Yep. You know. And yeah. then they'll announce they did like a multi-hundred million dollar deal. Yep. You know, saying, oh, yeah, we've bought the rights to Seinfeld too. If you it can. does happen, I think I think that's how it will. That's how it'll work. Something like that, definitely. Ah, oh, I'm hoping. Yeah. September, October announcement. I'm hoping. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Just wait let's, and see. Let's come back in September and October if it's happened. We'll and I'll revisit say, it. told you so. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Sucked in, Bob Greenblatt. You yeah, were wrong. You were wrong. Yeah. I'm thinking it might just be you know, intelligent hype building. Because, you know, if Jerry teases that it is happening, people start losing their minds. And then this guy sort of officially says, oh, it won't be happening at all. Yeah, but then there'll be like and then a they're like, oh, like later okay. in the year. There'll be like a teaser picture. Yeah. It'll be like the gang, you know, in the current exactly. ages and stuff. And it'll yep. have like Seinfeld, Netflix. Or yeah. so. it'll, it'll have something like that. Yeah, I mean, if you... I reckon if that's you, how they'll do it. If you just keep building hype up and up and up, people will get sort of hype exhaustion. You know, they when it actually happens, they go, oh, well... They're almost they're almost sick of it by the time it happens. But if you build it up a bit and then make people believe it's not happening, you know you're not wearing them out before the actual event. So and do you know it could be part of that longer longer play. Exactly. And do you know what's really cool? If there's a Seinfeld revival uh, series, mm-hmm. there will be two episodes of Bid Will Bask every week. Yeah, we we'll did talk to, about this as well. Yeah, we'll be able to do like an older episode and a new one that as would, it comes out. That we'll would just be fun. It. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And we'll review the characters. Indeed. Secondaries. No, be that would be really cool. Yeah, really yep. cool. He's hoping. Come on, so, Jerry. Get so, on it. Yeah. 
what are you doing? So the next bit of news, uh, the Houston Houston Astros, who are a baseball, MLB, Major League Baseball team mm. in America. Yes. Um, their general manager, he, through the week, well, it was, I think it happened last year, but it was sort of revealed via an article through the week um, that he's embraced his inner Kramer. <laughs> and what I mean by that is... Uh, just to give a bit of background, so in 2013, the Houston Astros and the the general manager, his name is uh, Jeff Lunau or Lunau, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He had a personalized license plate in 2013 that says that said GM Triple One, and uh, that stood as a reminder to the team's uh, 111 loss record of that year, which was one of their worst ever. Wow, that's terrible. Yep, and I think he he got the license plate just as sort of a a constant reminder if we need to do better i'm surprised you didn't get ass man yeah uh well <laughs> oh well, you are no so two years later the team made the playoffs so they've improved uh drastically over that two years and then he got a uh, to match that he got a license plate that said o- so o- octobb so october baseball yeah um and that stood for the fact that they made the playoffs which i'm guessing happened in october that year uh, in last year they actually won the world series so in yeah, four right. years they yeah they've gone from severe loss record to making the playoffs to winning the world series drastic turnaround yeah Mm. uh so jeff decided to get a license plate it doesn't say ass man but it does say ws 112 so ws for world series and i think 112 was their win yeah uh, win record record. for for that year so 111 loss record 112 win record yeah fantastic and obviously all of those uh license plates are reminiscent of kramer's famous accidental but yes. still hilarious ass man. That's right. In uh, the facility, Jerry. Very nice. Yeah. So uh, another bit of news. So uh, over the last few months, um, I've been giving you bits and pieces that they've been coming out over um, the lawsuit against Jerry for the guy who's claiming uh, that his name's Christian Charles. He's claiming that Jerry stole the idea for comedians and cars getting coffee. Yeah, he had the original show actors on motorbikes with drinking tea or getting tea, right? Something like that. I think I mentioned that. I did like a pretend oh, okay. kind of name. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it clearly didn't work this time. No. Nothing goes past you. No. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> except this time. Yeah, except this time. Yeah. So TMZ through the week got their hands on Jerry's official uh, response via his lawyer, um, sort of his defense, basically. Um, and uh, in, in his defense, he stated three reasons why the law sh- lawsuit should be dismissed before it's even heard. Um, those being that the statute, apparently in America, or maybe it's in California, I'm not sure, but uh, wherever it applies, the statute of limitations over a copyright claim is three years. The show started eight years ago, mm-hmm. um, and it was sort of floated nine or ten years ago, so it's way beyond um, beyond that. Uh, the second reason being that the idea is too generic, really, to claim sort of specific copyright over specific intellectual property. I mean, it's... I mean, it's a it's a niche show, but it's a pretty broad idea. It's just hanging out in a car, drinking a drink, talking to someone. It's you know, yeah. it's not very uh, specific. Um, and also, uh, apparently, Jerry says, and this is, I think, a bit of he says, she says. Uh, Jerry says that Christian made his copyright claim ten days after did uh, after Jerry did. So oh, he okay. he does admit that he did speak to to Christian before the show was being developed. Um, and they actually filmed a pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't copyrighted. It wasn't sort of... It was just like a test, an experiment. Yeah, of course. So that he um, can't claim ownership of it. No. No. So it might have been Christian's idea initially, but Jerry filed copyright 10 days before Christian did. Yeah. So by the by the letter of the law, Jerry is 
the owner of the copyright. Yeah. Um, so all of that. That has, seems legit. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, that might have been a bit underhanded if, if Christian did actually present the idea to him. But, mm. you know, if uh, in a court of law, that's what matters. That's what matters, yeah. Not, um, you know, not sort of ethics. Or, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the final uh, article for the week, uh, L Australia, which is a, like a fashion magazine, they put out a list called 40 Outfits That Prove Elaine from Seinfeld Is the Most Underappreciated 90s Fashion Muse. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. She's very underrated in terms of fashion. Definitely. Um, Except maybe not like her earlier, maybe the first two or three seasons. Yeah. Eh. That was more reminiscent of 80s fashion, I think. Yeah, it was that's sort of right. the, the tail end of 80s fashion that's before right. 90s fashion truly kicked in. Yep. Uh, so I thought it was worth including because, you know, I'm not extremely fashionable but i've got an idea that you know all the kids are wearing sort of 90s you see a lot of like kids wearing doc martens doc martens and, and, and like grunge inspired yep. um, clothing and you know a lot of women wearing like uh like wider leg jeans like more 90s sort of stuff that's right yeah um yeah and it's just it's a list of literally 40 pictures of elaine just being cool uh, fashionable stylish what elaine. was your favorite uh, I didn't make a note. Oh, okay. Um, but they're all good. We'll put the link up on our show notes. Definitely you will. Can, you can judge for yourself. Yeah, that's it. Who's your favorite? Get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Good work, Steve. We'll have to have a little break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Season 4, Episode 9, The Opera, and its many secondary characters. Oh, God. It's you. You scared me. Good. Fear is our most primal emotion. <laughs> You left your door open. I know. I like to encourage intruders. <laughs> uh, what is all this? Uh, do you like it? My home is a shrine to you. Where did you get all these pictures? I took them myself with a telephoto lens. You're on Bidwabask. And we are talking about the opera from season four. We were uh, talking about the contest a couple of episodes ago, and then we jumped into uh, the pool guy for season six, and uh, now we're back at season four. Pool guy season seven, yeah. Oh, season seven, sorry, my mistake. But yeah. this season of Bidwabar so far does seem to be season four of Seinfeld heavy. Yeah, it does, yes. I think we've done... This might be our fourth episode? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, and this is our 13th episode for the season, is that yeah, right? Uh, 14th. 14th. 14th, yep. yeah. So, yep. uh, but it's all right. You know, we've got a few more episodes of this season, and uh, we've got a nice What's the Deal coming up, and uh, some episodes from different seasons. That's right. So, yep. we won't say too much. And I think season four is considered the season. Yeah. When it really peaked. Yeah, it did. Commercially, yeah. creatively. That's right. So, I guess it's natural to, to concentrate on it. Yeah. But you don't want to peak too early, though. We That's don't want true. to be doing, like, you know, season nine, yep. you know, for the final season of Vin Wabask. That's true. But even Seinfeld in season in season nine is still amazing. Oh, yeah. It's still great. Yeah. I still... I look... You know, a lot of people rag on season eight and nine, but mm. I like season eight and nine episodes. No. I think if they're you, great. If you watch them as standalone seasons, they're really good. They're really good. But if you try and... It's kind of like Latter-day Simpsons. If you watch them independently of the Golden Age, they're okay. Yeah, yeah. But if you try and stack them up against the Golden Age, they're just, they're bad. Yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of the same thing. But Seinfeld's not bad. No. There's no... No, no it does not fall, or it did not fall anywhere near as far as The Simpsons No, did, definitely Because he quit did. while he was... If he did 28 seasons, probably would have. Probably would have, yeah. But, you know, nine <laughs> seasons, that's enough. Yeah, and he's know. hoping the potential revival... Maybe 10th uh, season. 10th season. Hopefully yeah. the 10th season holds up. Yeah. 
All right, The Opera, first aired in the US, November 4, 1992, directed by Tom Cherones, written by Larry Charles. Uh, Crazy Joe Devola, played by Peter Crombie, leaves a voicemail message to Jerry threatening to put the kibosh on him. And I, I read what the kibosh means. Uh, it's not a Jewish term. Like no, it? it's oh. actually not a Yiddish uh, word. I okay. thought it was a Yiddish word, but it mm. just means to dispose of something. Oh. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the origin of the word, where it actually comes from. Okay. But no, it's not Jewish. No. Oh. The kibosh. I don't know where... I got I, the idea that it was uh, Jewish slash well, it Yiddish. It sounds like Yiddish, kibosh. like a Yiddish word, kibosh. Yeah, okay. it would, but no, it's not, actually. I don't okay. know the origin, like I said. Maybe uh, I just assume that any word that I don't recognize that's said by someone who lives in New York must be Yiddish. <laughs> must be, yeah. Must be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way. <laughs> Kramer has tickets for the opera, Pagliacci, and everyone is going, including Elaine's boyfriend, Joey who she meets a couple of episodes beforehand. Mm. Elaine goes to Joey's apartment and finds pictures of her all over his wall. This is you in the office, working. In the shower. In, Showering. In the shower. Showering. Ooh. Uh, Elaine <laughs> so is creepy, that Very scene. creepy, yeah. Oh, I don't, so it had a very dark vibe to it, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it, it, Peter Crombie, he's actually a dramatic actor by oh. background. So, like, him in, like, a dramatic scene like that in a comedy show, I, I think it worked. Yeah, you know, he, he it plays, had like an extra dark edge to it. Definitely, he plays the uh, intensity of uh, Joe very, very well. Yeah, very well. Yeah, but when we do a what's the deal with Joe? Yeah, uh, we'll talk more about him and Peter Crombie. That's right. Yeah. Um, so Elaine goes to Joe's apartment, like I mentioned. Uh, she escapes and Joe tries to trap her in the apartment, thus ending the relationship. Cherry Banaka. <laughs> Right in the face. Uh, Elaine tells the gang that Joey can't come to the opera, and Susan has to pick up a friend from the airport. So George and Kramer decide to scalp the two extra tickets. Crazy Joe heads to the opera in full Pagliacci clan gear to confront Jerry and Elaine, and he buys Kramer's spare ticket with Kramer unaware that it's due that it's Joe in the uh, clown outfit because of the makeup. According to Kramer, it's just some nut in a clown suit. Are you still afraid of clowns? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. I like how he sounds like a child. He's got like yeah. the childlike inflection. He's yeah. Like, yeah. His voice goes up a, yeah. up an octave. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like an eight-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jerry and Elaine realize that Joe and Joey are the same person. Oh, what do we do? <laughs> and they run away when Crazy Joe comes up to them, initially mistaking him for a previous clown, Jarrett Graham. He's played by Jarrett Graham. Yep. And the clown was originally called Kenny. And it turns out for Kenny, they were going to do like a backstory for him. Oh. Yeah. So it turns out that for Kenny, the clown, um, he was meant to tell Jerry that Jerry, no, he was meant to be like working at the comedy club or a comedy club that Jerry worked for. Okay. And it turns out that Kenny, the clown was the guy who actually got Jerry onto David Letterman. Oh. So he'll say, oh, you're not going to give me, like, some money. You know, I got you on David Letterman. Oh, you know I mean? so he was going to sort of... Oh, no, no, he was actually doing, like, a comedy gig, but David okay. Letterman's talent scouts were at the comedy club. And he, was right. gonna, and he let Jerry know, saying, you know, his talent scouts are around to try and get on the show. Oh. So Kenny was going to use that against him, saying, oh, you're not going to give me money, but I kind of helped with your career. Okay. That was, yeah, they were originally going to do it, but then they cut it. Right. So he's just, he doesn't have much backstory. Yeah. But yeah, he's going to have like a backstory. Huh. Hmm. It sounds like that could have been based on a real life event in Jerry's early stand-up life. Well, he just meets a clown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who who actually got him on the, the, the Johnny Carson show or something. Yeah, something like that. Who yeah. Knows? But yeah, no, very interesting trivia. Yeah. Um, George sells his ticket to his third potential customer, uh, aka Harry Fong. He's credited as man number three yeah, on the show. But according to George, he's Harry he's Fong. Harry. Oh, so that's, he's that's our how friend, we'll, Harry Fong. We'll call him we'll Harry Fong. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's played by Glenn Shin. Uh, but Susan says she can now make the opera as her friend's plane was diverted to Philadelphia. 
George says to Susan off screen that he's feeling uncomfortable as a cover for not going to the opera because Harry has his ticket. Mm. Kramer, Elaine, Jerry, Susan and Harry head to their seats. And when Jerry asks Kramer who he sold his spare ticket to, he says that he sold it to some nut in a clown suit, <laughs> i.e. Joe Davola, to Jerry and Elaine's horror. And yep. the episode closes. Yep. Uh, other secondaries in this episode include the Quarterman, who takes Jerry's quarter while waiting in line. I... I looked everywhere, but he wasn't in the credits for the episode. Mm. The actor. Did you find him? Nope. No, it was really weird. Like, yep. We had that last year with, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, last year. Billy, uh, last year. Last episode. Yeah, I was going to say. With uh, Billy with Williams. Them. Yeah, that's right. We couldn't um, find the usher. The I guy can't even remember which character he played. He played the usher. That's that, right. That escorts George out of that's the That's right. Theater, and we yeah. couldn't find anything. Yeah, nothing. Pictures. It just came up with Billy D. Williams. But at least with Billy Williams, we got a name. This that's guy, true. we got nothing. Like, not even a name. A credit, nothing. I yeah. just call him Quarterman. Yeah. Yeah. Easy Quarterman sounds cool. Yes. Um, Tom Chelly and Jason Wingreen, um, they play two other potential customers of Kramer and George's. Mm-hmm. And Bill Saluga plays the usher, who I enjoyed in this episode. Yep. He was funny. He yep. only had a few se- a few a minute screen time, but yep. he was good. Bit of trivia. I know there's a couple of Star Wars fans that listen to this show. Uh, Jason Wingreen, he originally voiced Boba Fett in The Empire Strikes Back huh. in Star Wars. Right. Uh, but he was later redubbed by a New Zealand actor, um, Boba Fett, in line with the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, there was a New Zealand actor who Tamura- played... Tamura Someone, Morrison, I think is his it name Tamura is. Morrison? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He plays, well, he he plays, plays Django Fett. Django Fett, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, um, Boba Fett. He's yeah. also Jake the Mus from uh, Once War Warriors. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Same actor. Same actor, yeah. Really good actor. Uncle fucking bully. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Once War Warriors, oh, stop where you One of the best stop. New Zealand films ever. One of the best films, films ever. Films, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in, it's in my top 20 films of all time. So good. Yeah, amazing. But yeah, Just Jason, as I thought. Yeah. Too much weights, not enough speed work. Yeah. Oh, man. Ah, it's great. It's dark and hilarious. Every time I hear someone say "Make me eggs," I just freak Make out. I shudder. Some fucking eggs. I, I oh. shudder. Like, yeah, oh, it's fuck. it's so intense. Stop listening to us if you are, and go watch watch Once Once Warriors. Watch Tamura Morrison, uh, yeah. the new boat, the new Jango yeah. Fett in action. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Jason Wing Green, he passed away a couple of years ago. Um. But yeah, he was the original voice of Boba Fett. Huh. Yeah, so cool. if you're a Star Wars fan out there, you'll uh, you'll like that bit of trivia. You could probably find the original scenes on YouTube. Yeah, or they'll be around. Some uh, VHS edition of uh, Star Wars before the prequels came out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, another bit of trivia. So Joe Davola, uh, he was actually based on a friend of Larry David named Joe Davola. That's right. And it's actually, it's funny, like we've done so many episodes of this podcast, but it's the first time we've talked about Joe Davola. I think so. I don't think we've talked about him. I think we've mentioned we've him We've probably mentioned him in passing, once, yeah. But, but we haven't really done anything more than that. No, no. He hasn't. He's definitely not appeared in any episodes we've done. Uh, no, not even the contest. He wasn't in that. No, because he's basically in of all of season four. Yeah, he starts in the pitch. Yep, and then he ends at the pilot part two. Yep. So, but we haven't done those episodes yet. No, so. no, no. Yeah, no, that's strange. And I mean, he's a he's quite a prominent secondary, especially character. in season four. Yeah. And other than just a passing mention, he hasn't really uh, creeped into our conversations. Very interesting. Cool. Anyway, Joe Davola, who's named after uh, what we say. Uh, yeah, so he was named after a real-life friend of Larry David's. Uh, oh, Joe Devola. <laughs> Joe Devola. Yeah, that's right. Um, no word on whether he is actually crazy. Who knows? Probably. I imagine all of Larry David's friends are kind of crazy. They sort of have to be to be friends with Larry. I don't think he'd be attracted to just, like, normal, boring people. <laughs> no, I imagine Larry's bit, circle of bit... friends are very no. eccentric people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure there is an element of crazy. Yes. Pagliacci is uh, an Italian opera in a prologue and two acts. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the only opera still performed by, uh, which was created by Ruggiero Leon Cavallo. Yep. Uh, characters include Canio, he's like the, the main guy, uh, Neda, who um, Joe calls Elaine in the episode, and Silvio, 
is Nader's lover. And it's funny because, like, this love triangle is also in this episode. So Crazy Joe is Kanyo. Oh, yeah. You know, and and Kanyo dresses up as Pagliaccio. Mm-hmm. He's the clown. Mm. So he becomes the clown huh. in the play. Um, Nader, obviously, you know, Elaine's called Nader. Yep. You know, and then, she, you know, Joe says to Elaine, oh, you know, he kills his wife, mm. you know, Nader. Mm-hmm. And then Elaine's like, Netta. Oh At the God. end. At the end, he's like, oh, Netta. Yep. And I could say that Jerry is Silvio. Okay. You know, he's hmm. the lover. Yep. Because, you know, Joe says, if I find out who you're with, you know, you're in trouble. I like that. They've written the same character dynamic in yeah. an episode about the show. But luckily... About, like, the, yeah. about the play that the show is based on. But luckily, he doesn't kill Elaine and Jerry. No. You know, because no, no. in the play, yep. Kanyo kills Silvio and Netta. Right. right. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Okay. Mm. There you go. There you go. The uh, so the music from this episode uh, at the end. Vesta la ju Vesta la. Oh, I should be able to say this. Juba. Vesta la Juba. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Cool. And that's played during the scene where Joe Duvall is crying while lifting weights. That's right. Well. And it's also played uh, instead of the Seinfeld theme. Uh, uh, sorry, it's also used in the episode. Uh, the season three episode, The Keys. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So it's played in the background where uh, Jerry calls Kramer's mother. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So not as uh, prominent, but, uh, but yeah, it's there. same music. It's there. Very good. Yeah. And uh, Banaka, it was actually a real life brand of breath freshener. Yeah. Uh, I've read some conflicting accounts about Banaka. Like I read it was an American company that got bought out by another corporation. But then I heard Banaka was sold in India. I mean, apparently, Banaka is like a toothbrush or toothpaste brand in India. Okay. Uh, there's like conflicting accounts, but their head office uh, was in Buena Park in California. Right. Um, Banaka was sold, I think, in three flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot what they were. Cherry, original. Uh, no, there was no cherry, actually. I think <laughs> Damn. it was. Yeah, it was a made up one. Right. Uh, allegedly. But Banaka was popular in America. If there was cherry Banaka and you're in the United States, let mm. us know. Yep. What, and, and also, is Banaka still sold? I was going to say. I heard it was you, discontinued. You, you, I was going to say you keep on uh, referring to it in past tense. Does it exist at the moment? Mm, because no, because apparently it was popular in the eighties and nineties, but it's since gone out of fashion. Like it's gone out of like the the zeitgeist okay. of American culture because of the popularity of mints and gum. Yeah, because obviously, and plus, you know, breathing. Uh, I think there's some alcohol content in like right. breath freshener, so I think you know your alcohol. You know, limited. wouldn't it be unfortunate if you are, uh, you know, you're on a date. You know, you freshen your breath, you, you drop the person home. And then you blow then, 0.05. Yeah, and then you get, you know, on your way home, you uh, you, you get pulled over by the cops and you get breathalyzed. That's like the urban legend about Listerine or like yeah. mouthwash. It's like if you have one, you yeah. know, you'll blow 0.05 or more. It's like, nah, it's yep. bullshit. I've heard another one to, uh, to, to, to get around the breathalyzer as well. And it's just, it's, tr- it's garbage. You, when a cop's walk just before he's about, you know, they're about to pull out the, the, the breathalyzer, you take a big breath. Because the oxygen that you're blowing in there is coming from your mouth, not directly from oh, your lungs. Oh, yeah, of course. Something like that. But <laughs> it's it's just, yeah, it's rubbish. It's all silly. That's it. So, character synopsis, Stephen. Yep. I uh, got a few notes on Joe DiVola in the context of this episode. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Reichman and Harry Fong. Cool. Yeah, cool. Shall we start with uh, Crazy Joe? Sure, let's, let's do it. Yep, played by Peter Crombie. Uh, he's known for appearing in Smallville. Yep. Yep. I noted down that he was in uh, Natural Born Killers and Seven. Oh, as well. Two really good films, yep. Oh, wow, that's cool. Cause, yeah. Because um, the guy who played Harry Fong was in Natural Born Killers as well. Really? Yeah. Huh. I was going to mention that. Hmm. Yeah. Might be the same casting director or something. Oh, maybe. I don't who know. Knows. Um, so, yeah, look, we did mention before, we we won't talk too much about Joe today. Uh, mm. We'll save him for a What's the Deal. Yep. Maybe next season. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Um, we'll see how 
if you want him, let us know. Yeah. Well, know. we will cover him. He's a major secondary. I know, we will. We have to. We will. But, yep. you know, if you want him earlier, mm. like early next season. Let us know. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the first what's the we'll deal. We'll do a deep dive. Be. Sounds good. But I'm wondering, Stephen, with Joe, you know, he beats the shit out of those three guys in the park. And mm. it was actually a stunt coordinator that did those scenes. Oh. It wasn't Peter Crombie himself right. that did all the kicks and the punches. Yep. I'm just wondering, how does he know martial arts? And he clearly, like, the way he moves and he kicks... He's pretty, uh, he's quite expert he's proficient. level at it. Yeah. 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 I also took it down to, because he was kicking, it was either karate that he knows or taekwondo. Because taekwondo is a Korean uh, martial art and they focus a lot on kicking and use of the legs and the knees. Okay. And there's some punching involved. So I'm thinking he's either like, he was an expert in taekwondo, like a black belt or in karate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm guessing he's black belt. Yep. Yeah. I honestly think, I mean, I think his, uh, his, his uh, penchant for violence goes yeah. back a long while, mm-hmm. yep. um, which I know, you know, is before this episode. But, but he was clearly trained on in that. Definitely. Like. I think he just wanted a legitimate reason to beat people up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, the, you know, yeah. it's like some some people, you know, and this is not a characterization of cops, but, you know, there have been cases, even anecdotally, of cops just wanting a legal reason to use a gun. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it's that kind of it's same thing of where thing. it's just like, you, you just want to beat people up, but you want to, you want to, you want to do it sort of in a more official way, I guess. Because in martial arts, they teach you to only use it for defense and yep. not to start trouble. But I think yeah. Joe was one of those guys where he's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah you like you said, you know, I want to kick the shit out of people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so there are people to, who yeah. join, you know, armed forces, cop, you know. So they um, can take, take Yeah, they just the, want a, a legal means of killing people yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. focusing their aggression on people that aren't them. Yeah. I think it's kind of the same thing on a lesser scale. Um, you know, he doesn't have a badge, but, you know, if he's in classes every week, he can kick the shit out of someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's yeah. that's my take. And case in point as well, there's that episode early on in season four where he kicks Kramer uh, in the head while he's wearing a motorbike helmet. That's right. And he so puts a big dent in it. Joe's quite a strong guy. Yeah, I mean, he's big. He's a big guy. He's a big, tall, he's muscular tall guy. guy. Yeah. But yeah, he like actually kicks a dent in Kramer's helmet. Yeah. I mean, he's in great insane. shape. Yeah. It's like... Whoa, and I think, I mean, he's physically strong, but yeah. I think if you've got an aggressive attitude, you sort of add to that physical strength. Yeah, yeah. You know, some people are physically strong, but they're, they're teddy bears. I think his physicality combined with his aggression make him extra, uh, extra threatening. And I reckon he's one of those psych- psychopath killers who would actually kill someone with their bare hands. Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't use a gun or a knife. He'd right. probably want to see, you know, the soul come out of their eyes as he's strangling them. You he know? wants to see the life He wants to see the life dra- I think he's one of those kind of people. Like, wow, if he, that's, that's if he got his hands far. on someone and strangled them to death, he'd want to see them, like, die. Wow. I reckon he's one, he'd be one of those psychopaths. Yeah, I could see him going yeah. there. He, he'd use his hands. Definitely. To kill. Well, yeah. that's a bit out of the uh, context of the episode. So, let's <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. let's save the... Um, well, the, it's what could have happened to poor Elaine if she didn't have her, uh, her, her binaca on her. Yeah. Uh, poor Elaine would have been long gone. That's true. She would have been found, Do you think he would have harmed her? You probably Do you think have. he was he was building up to harm her? Yeah. Wow. Because he's a psychopath. He, he didn't take his medicine. Remember? Okay, that's his, true. His shrink was, was away and mm. he couldn't have his medicine. One thing I noticed in this episode, and I can't recall if it's really explored or showed in other episodes, he obviously doesn't deal with plans changing. He has a set idea in his head. Yeah. Because when Elaine Cause says to him... Yeah, when tick. Elaine yeah, says yeah. to him that um, oh, her he friend couldn't get the tickets, now. even though she's just trying to, um, you know... But, you know, get him to not go um, or deceive him. He he doesn't cope well. He's yeah. not just he's not flexible. You know, and he 
he just can't deal. And that feeds into his love for opera because clearly he loves Pagliacci mm-hmm. and he was listening to it while he was lifting weights. Mm-hmm. And I think when Elaine says to him, oh, I don't, you know, we didn't get tickets to Pagliacci, he just, he got upset. Yep. Yeah. Because remember, Jerry mentions, I think at the start of the episode, or Kramer mentions that they were hard to get mm. the tickets because it was Pavarotti. Luciano Pavarotti was playing Pagliacci. Mm. So see, to see Pavarotti's like... This is Pavarotti and Pagliacci. Yeah. It's like, whoa, that's huge. Yeah. Like, at the time, he was yeah. huge. Yeah. Pavarotti. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. So that was like a big deal. True. So the fact that, you know, Joe was like, I can't see Pagliacci, it would have really... Yeah fed into him you know would have really mm. yeah made him want to kill yeah i wanted to ask you as well um you know lifting weights even if you're training really hard can be really punishing but most people would stop at the point of pain where they're crying the scene that the episode opens with him lifting weights and he's crying do you I think, don't think he's, he's crying, crying from pain or is his uh crying as a reaction to Pagliacci. Probably Pagliacci. And, and he just happens to be lifting weights. I think he has such an adoration for opera music. Right. He just, it's just something inside him. He just becomes okay. emotional. So cries. he's not crying from pain, he's crying from emotional. I think he's crying from, from uh, being overwhelmed. la jour, but yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know which it was. I'm like, would he be crying if he wasn't living uh, listening to Pagliacci? I don't think so. No. Yeah. I think he goes hard on the weights, but he's not pushing himself. No, no. To, I reckon to he cries to opera. Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. That's why he listens to it. Did you really have anything else? No, no. But about him, I just wanted episode? to talk yeah, about him in the context yeah, yeah. of this episode. Definitely, yeah. we couldn't really avoid him. He is the secondary character of the episode. Yeah, he it is. would be weird if we just talked about the other. Yeah, we just like forgot him. Joe, like, oh, yeah. Joe, who? What? Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Shall we take a quick break? Yep, and uh, we'll talk about the rest of the secondaries. It sounds good, and then we'll do some Seinfeldisms, Seinfeldia, and then a bit of fan mail, and we'll wrap up. Awesome. You're listening to, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello, we are not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. So, so far we've talked about uh, the main secondary character of the episode, Crazy Joe Devola. Yes. Uh, in case you're just tuning in, uh, even though it's not the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Adjust those dials. Yeah. Um, we only talked about Joe in the context of this episode. Um, we will do a deeper dive when we do a what's the deal at some point in the future, Absolutely. probably next season. Yeah. Uh, and if you want us to do that, get in touch. Uh, so next we're going to talk about Mr. and Mrs. Reichman. Yes, Mr. Reichman, he was played by the late Ross Evans, uh, known for appearing in The Gallant Man, The Gargan Terror, and The Nude Bomb. That sound like B-grade movies. Definitely. <laughs> the Nude Bomb. It sounds like an exploitation film from the 70s. It does. Uh, um, and uh, this episode was actually Ross's last known TV credit. Yeah, unfortunately he did pass away in 2013. He did on April 15, yeah. Yep. Uh, Mrs. Reichman was played by Harriet S. Miller. Um, her name actually has two T's and two R's, but in this episode she had one T in her name oh. in the credits for the episode. Um, okay. I don't know why. Um, known for her appearances in the Gilmore Girls and Freaks and Geeks. Oh man, I love Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, such a good series. Only lasted what one season, two seasons. Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. Finished. yeah. Yep. It's a good show. James Franco, Seth Rogen. Yep. It was Jason Segel. It was their launching point for it the was. whole career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Great show. Great, very good show. Uh, so I just wanted to point out first of all that Mr. Reichman's name is actually Harold. Harold, yeah, that's yeah. Right. So you, you don't notice it in the script; he's not credited. But uh, when uh, Mrs. Reichman's yelling at him, yeah. she says, "Harold, watch the hair extension." Or was it the hair transplant? I think the so. Hair, yeah, hair. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and it was, it was sort of uh, it was easy to miss, but I did pick that up. Harold, yeah, and George uh, did a toast. Was it at his daughter's wedding, or was, was it, it someone? Did they wedding? call it an aggressive toast? An aggressive toast. Yeah, yeah. it was one of the worst toasts I've ever seen. Yeah, bottom so. five, top five worst toasts ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. pretty funny. And then he reminds uh, Elaine of it later, and she's like, oh, yeah. And then, and then you know, when Mr. Reichman catches George giving Harry his ticket or selling it to him, he's yeah. like, oh, Mr. Reichman, yeah. you still have the mouth of a swindler. <laughs> and he puts him in a headlock <laughs> like he did in the, in the he toast. He obviously still has a grudge over the, over the toast ruining yeah. his daughter's yeah. wedding. And he, I love how, like, George talks about him putting him in a headlock, yeah. getting Reichman to put him in a headlock, and then he does the same thing again. It's so good. <laughs> it is good. Yeah. Um, the only note that Watch I had... Watch the hair trans implants or the hair transplants, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, they're not in it for much, but um, they're, they're funny. Is there a doctor here? <laughs> I love how Mrs. Reichman, there's Jerry and Elaine, and Mrs. Reichman's walking around saying, is there a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> I did uh, make an assumption, and I think it's based on not just the fact that they're at Polly Archie, but just the way they carry themselves and the clothes they're wearing. I think they're part of New York's sort of theatrical social elite yeah, yeah um you know they're probably on the board of members for the for the theater for the theater yeah yeah um you know maybe part of a theater society yeah something like that they go to all the plays and definitely the yeah. And stuff, yeah i don't think they're part of new york's true upper crust um but in in the theater world i think they're you know they're big players yeah i think yeah. so too yeah they probably donate some funds to the theater yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think they're yeah you know i don't think they're like truly waspy Upper crust New York elites, but you know, in this world, definitely they're yeah. um, they're somebodies. They are somebodies, yes. Yeah, mm. I mean, hair transplants in the early nineties—that that shit ain't cheap. No, it isn't. You know, it's it not isn't. even cheap now. No, no. So. But I only put them as one character. Yeah, they're basically in the same scene. Yeah, together, they never you know? appear in separate scenes. Oh well, she Mrs. Reichman does when she's walking around the crowd. That's saying, true. Is there actually, a doctor here. A that's doctor? true. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Yeah. So the next. I guess the next people we could talk about, um, I don't know if you have any notes, are the gang themselves. Oh, uh, no. no okay. I, I guess they're just a bunch of... Oh, you can, if you've got notes on them, but I guess they're just a bunch of hoodlums. Well, I I was trying to figure out, are they a gang or are they just three mates? I just think and, they're hoodlums. Yeah. I decided that they're just three friends. They're a bit drunk. Oh, and they're just, right. You know, yeah, they're just okay. a bit aggro. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, individually, they wouldn't do anything, but they're all together. They're a bit more more game yeah right you know and they're walking through central park yeah and i think they're just a bit drunk a bit aggro just looking for a bit of trouble yeah i don't think they're the wrong person i don't think they're you know criminals or part of any bigger gang i pictured them as like hoodlums that hang out in the park okay among people yeah yeah, because that was like the early 90s was like when the crime this is before Mm. giuliani came in yeah and cleaned the city up cleaned the city up yeah you know there's like violent crime and murders and stuff all the time you know who goes uncredited for really cleaning up the crime in new york city in the late 80s and early 90s no (laughs) No, i said i said eliminated not contributed to (laughs) i just have to say his name and you just go yeah (laughs) i'm talking about petty theft not white collar crime oh no uh defamation citation needed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. They they cleaned up crime in New York oh, in the late sure 80s, did. early 90s, and they yeah. don't get credited. But they're not real, unfortunately. What? Oh, no, they are real. Yes. They better be. They better be. You know, I'm going to get for your birthday. I'm going to get four turtles. Okay. And I'm going to put like... Trump's little, head on them? Li- no, no, close. <laughs> I'm going to put like, you know, the, the colored headbands of the Ninja Turtles on each one. Nice. So I'm going to give you like a purple one, and then a blue one, and then a red, and for Raphael, and then a yep. an orange for Michelangelo. Raphael was four, my favorite. And then your four turtles. Hmm. Yeah. Someone pointed out to me the other day that in the original cartoon series that was made to sell the toys, they never, ever, ever, not once, ever used their weapons. 
They don't even pull them out ever. For one? For in the original TMNT cartoon series, right. they never use their weapons at all. Ever. Yeah, yeah. In the first movie that was made in eighty nine ninety, the mm. live action film. They do, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of parents complained because they thought it was too violent. And then, like the and next movie the was very like the comical, and it was more like the cartoon. It was, it was more just, like ch- campy slapstick yeah, kind of humor. Yeah, there yeah. was even it was like almost like Three Stooges level, like ridiculous, yeah, it was like, like dumb, you know, yeah, boing, yeah, yeah boing, weird sounds and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting because oh, they're known for their weapons, but they use their weapons to like say knock things down. To no, they never ever. They never, they never, they're just always... They just use them for show. Yeah. Yeah. It's just to say, like, it's just to sort of signify. They're ninjas, but they never actually use them. There you go. It's interesting. Never knew that. Yeah. Uh, never noticed. What's that? I never noticed. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, I don't really watch the cartoon that much these days, but oh, yeah, someone yeah. pointed it out to me. I thought it was interesting. Oh, you should come over and we should, like, binge watch the first few seasons. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a second podcast. Yeah, but I don't yeah. want to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Who would be the secondary characters there? Bebop, Rocksteady. Yeah. Um, Splinter. Splinter, I guess. Yeah. April O'Neil, she a main cast member? Uh, I guess she is. And then the the rat, the guy. Splinter, that no is Splinter. No, which one's the the bad guy with Crane. Like, the no, brain. no Shredder. Shredder, yeah, mm. that's the one. No, he's a main member. He's not. He's, yeah, he's part. Oh, of he's it. not a secondary. No, yeah, no, right. no, no. Oh, April no. O'Neil. We'll yeah. do an episode on April O'Neil. Yep. Yeah. And how much I had a crush on her when I was oh, six? Yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Uh, have you got anything else about any other secondaries? Uh yeah, Harry Fong. Okay. Um, well, that's not his real name. Yeah. Man number three. Yeah. Um, played by Glenn Chin, known for appearing in Fifty First Dates, The Art of War, and like we mentioned before, Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. And did you know Glenn Chin? He was an accomplished bass violin virtuoso wow. before he became a film actor. Huh. I want to know what the difference is between a bass violin and a normal violin. I, guess I think a normal one's strings. like, and a bass is like, boom, boom, boom. True. <laughs> you know what would be cool? If someone did the Seinfeld theme using a bass violin. I'm sure someone has done it at some point. Is there a bass violinist out there? Yep. Send us a file of you playing the Seinfeld theme. For free. Actually, you know what? I'm going to put it out there. Yeah. If anyone there is listening right now and they play a musical instrument, like doesn't have to be bass, guitar, just like the, the most unique instrument... Play the Seinfeld theme and send us a copy. Yep. If you send it to us, uh, you know, by next week, we'll play it as the outro music awesome. for our next episode. Yeah, cool. Yeah. We do have a YouTube channel. So uh, if you want to chuck it on YouTube as well and yep. send us a link. Up to you. Uh, or send us the raw video file. We'll upload it yep. to our YouTube channel too. It can even be audio as well. You yeah. can email yep. podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Let's get as many as we can. And depending on how many we get, we'll, uh, we'll do them as outro music for the episode. Sounds good. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, anything. Triangle or... Be hard to do with a triangle. It would be, yes. Yeah. If but, you can do it with a triangle, then yeah. we'll, I don't know, we'll do something. We'll you know, fly to wherever you are and wherever. give you a, I don't know, a, I don't know. Something. We'll, we'll figure that out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Cello, flute, oboe, mm. whatever you play, yeah. play the Seinfeld thing. Bass violin, send it to us. Yeah. whatever. You can, even, you can even do Vestila Julva if you're, if you're feeling up for it. <laughs> yeah. It's up to you. If, if you want to get like the big band, you want to bring 50 guys into your house <laughs> and you do like the, while you're conducting, go for it. Yeah, go nuts. that would be amazing. I want to get as many as we can. Come yeah. on, let's let's start another campaign. I love how someone just sent us generic footage of Poliarchi and we believed it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, they went to a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From 1978. Yeah. Wow. The original performance. Yeah. They even filmed it so it looks like a late 70s VHS. Yeah. They haven't had VHS in the late seventies. So be uh, I think it was what better Max, wasn't super, it? Better Max, Beta Max, Beta Max, or Super Eight? Yeah, something. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. anyway, yeah. Try and get your uh, unconventional instruments uh, out and uh, play us a Seinfeld theme. Cool. We'll come up with a campaign name. Yeah. Let's get this thing running. Yeah. This just was invented right now. Yeah. This wasn't deliberate. Why the hell not? Yeah. Let's do it. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Sounds awesome. Um, yeah, Harry Fong. I think he's just a, a massive opera lover. 
you know, he just loves the theatre. Mm-hmm. I think he was one of those poor souls that missed out on tickets. And, uh, yeah, he, that's why he saw George scalping a ticket. Yep. And instead of getting it, Tramus says sell it for 250 bucks. George gets sells it for 175 yeah. which is a bargain. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Much less than George expected. Cause, exactly. Because um, before they head to the opera... Uh, Kramer convinces George to to so scalp high. them for a thousand bucks for a thousand? two. Oh yeah, that's right. Five hundred a pop. Yeah, that's oh, five hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he still sells it for seventy five percent more than what he paid. Yeah, yeah. Um, but much less than five hundred. There you go. So yeah, yeah, very good. So uh, yeah, he's a massive opera fan, and uh, yeah, he just wanted to see Pagliacci. Cool. Loves Pavarotti. Yeah. The only other uh, notes that I have is uh, I've I've called him Street Pagliacci, but you've called him. Uh, uh, his, oh, sorry, his original was his name, name was Kenny the Clown. That's right. He's played by uh, Jarrett Graham. Yep. I thought he was Quentin Tarantino. Oh, he wow. had like a resemblance of yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Yep. You know, like and a young a Tarantino. nasally voice. Yeah. And, but he had like a resemblance. I was like, is that Quentin Tarantino? Mm. I was like, whoa, what That's a cameo true. that would have been. Ah, you know, wow. like before, you know, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Like that era. It's yep. like, oh, wow. He had a would cameo. Would have been another in the list of, uh, you know, cameos before they were famous. Yeah. Um, oh, that would have been one of the major ones. That would have been amazing. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it was, we would have known about it oh, before yeah, this episode. Yeah. Yeah. But it so, looks exactly like Tarantino. It does, With the, with yeah. the makeup on. Yeah. It's true. It's crazy. Uh, so, the only uh, notes that I have on Street Pagliacci is that I think he really resents and he kind of overreacts to Jerry and he completely misunderstands the situation. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't give Jerry an opportunity to explain himself. He just assumes and gets really uh, frustrated. Um, and I think that's just from a long uh, a long time buildup um, of resentment from working as a street performer and not really getting credited, probably not getting much respect, yeah. probably not getting paid that well. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, that's sort of the whole crux of his uh, frustration. He's just a street performer. But I think it's exacerbated by the fact that he's performing in front of people. You know, the opera is usually associated people with people with a bit of coin. Yeah. It's not a cheap uh, thing to go and see. Yeah. So when he's, you know, night after night doing his uh, low-income earning street performing in front of people who assumedly earn a lot more money than he is, mm-hmm. I think that sort of... It's very crushing. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, that's all I've got. Yeah, excellent. That were the secondary characters for Season 4, Episode 9, The Opera. Stephen, out of the 43 episodes that we have reviewed so far, where does The Opera sit? Uh, so it sits, uh, it's in my top 20. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, it sits at number 17. Great. Yeah. Excellent. What about you? Number 14. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Pretty yeah. close this time. Yeah, pretty close. The yeah. last few episodes we've been quite different in our placings, yeah. but this is a bit closer. No, I enjoyed the opera. Good yeah. episode. No, Very it is good, good episode, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I consider it like a bridging episode because I consider a lot of the, because, you know, season four was like one of the first to have like a major story arc, you know, Jerry's pilot and then Joe Devola yep. trying to infiltrate it and stuff. I think like the opera, I see it as like a bridging episode mm-hmm. that, you know, adds character development to Joe and it kind of adds the tension between Joe and Jerry or adds to it. Yep. You know, I think like despite the fact it's a bridging episode, I think it's a really good one. Yeah. No, it yeah. fleshes out the the overarching storyline for sure. Definitely. And it's just funny as a standalone episode. Too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It stands out really well. Yeah. And um, I, and I do like mm. the 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 um I guess the love triangle that is rem well that is based on Pagliacci oh, in an episode based on Pagliacci. about yeah. Pagliacci. It's yeah. cool. It's very good. Yeah, it's very good. So Seinfeldisms. Yeah, uh, I have one. Oh, so yeah. I have this, none this week. Okay. okay. Uh, so this is really stretching it, but I <laughs> I always try and include one hey, at least. Anything. Anything. That's true. Go for it. So I was thinking this morning uh, before we uh, before I wrapped up my notes for the episode. Has there been anything during the week? I was just trying to rack my memory, um, you know, for something I might have missed uh, and then remembered later. And the only thing that came to mind is at some point between Easter weekend and today when we were recording, I saw a name or I heard a name or I was told a name 
some at some point the name someone with their last name Kavorkian came into my my life. Yeah. I either saw it on a piece of paper <laughs> or read it in an article or someone mentioned it. I can't remember where it comes from. Yeah. But that's the that's the only thing I could think of as a Seinfeldism this week. And Kavorkian being <laughs> yeah, similar Kevorka, sounding yeah. to Kavorka, that'll do. No, you did good, mate. Yeah. That was a good one. Bit of a stretch, but um whatever. No, that's a good one. Yeah, it counts. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I invented Seinfeldism, so they're yes, mine. They're yours. They're our trademark. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yep. Seinfeldium. Yep. Seinfeld trivia. So today is Tuesday, April 10th, and coming from the Seinfeld desktop calendar for that day, writer Carol Leifer learned that she should look to her own life for material for Elaine. She was, after all, one of the few women on the writing staff, and Elaine needed stories every week. She struck gold, for example, with Elaine thinks the manicurists at her nail salon are talking about her in Korean behind her back. <laughs> As a bonus, Leifa got free uh, manipedis. Manipedis? I think it's manicures. Mani- it says manipedis. Leifa got... Yeah. Manipedis. Manipedis, yes. That's a double. It's a manicure and a pedicure. Ah, yes, of course. As a bonus, Leifa got... <laughs> As you do. I, mean, I yeah. can't afford those. Uh, as a bonus, Leifa got free manipedis at her own salon from then on after the show used the establishment's real name in the episode. Huh. There you go. So, Carol Leifa, a big inspiration for Elaine. That's yeah. a big, nice bit of trivia there. I like how a lot of the uh, characters in our storylines are inspired by the writers yeah. and, um, you know, producers' real lives. It's especially fantastic. Jerry and Larry. Yeah, of yeah, course. No, that's Excellent. really cool. Got uh, one very nice tweet that we have. So uh, let's get into a fan mail. When you control the mail, you control information. So for fan mail, we have a very nice tweet from Rob Phelps uh, from Tampa in Florida. So thanks very much, Rob. He says, hey, guys, love the podcast and your unique format. Just gave you a five-star review on iTunes and it's well-deserved. Reporting in from Tampa in Florida. Regards, Rob. Thank you so much, Rob. That's really kind. Yeah, thanks heaps, Rob. We do appreciate your feedback. And uh, and thanks very much for the review as well. Yeah, no, it was uh, really, really kind. And uh, Ivan sent that to me, was it Monday morning? Yeah, Yesterday yeah, morning, yeah. and that was a really nice start to the week. Yeah, it was fantastic. Monday so, mornings yeah. can be a bit of a bummer, especially if you're working nine to five, Monday to Friday job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So reading that was a nice, uh, nice little pick-me-up to start the week. So yeah. thanks again. We really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Rob. And if you want to leave feedback or reviews or, you know, just say hey, or if you have an episode suggestion or anything, you can email podcast at gmail.com that's right and uh, you can get in touch with us and look at uh, what's happening in Bidwabask's world on social media our handle is at Bidwabask B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C uh, we're on Instagram Twitter Facebook and YouTube yes and uh, we also have a website Bidwabask.com and uh, you can listen to us subscribe to us review us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, yeah, uh, you name it, we're there. We're there. Next week, be sure to grab your snacks and head to the operating theatre because we are talking about the Junior Mint. Oh, yeah. One of the most famous Seinfeld episodes ever. Classic, classic episode. And certainly one of my favourites as well. Yeah. So I and, think that'll uh, rate quite highly. We actually have our own Junior Mints in the studio. Oh, we sure do. They're, they're starting a bit... to sort of melt out, yeah, uh, out yeah. of the, the, the box. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a brownish kind of box now. I think we've got to get a new packet. Yeah, I think we do. They're yeah. not easy to find i found these in a country town about an hour out of uh out of melbourne yeah but um yeah i'm sure there's an american chocolate place well there's in- a there's a place in um in paran on chapel street Real? called uh, soda oh, yeah. rock true they sell junior mints and they there you sell go. Uh, i think our henry's and stuff okay just, next time i'm there i'll grab another cool couple of packs i'm actually trying to shake this is to give you an idea <laughs> of how much they've melted i i fear to open the box it's yeah just one big like glob of chocolate just turf it, but I'm, yeah. I'm i'm shaping uh shaping shaking the box Nothing. Nothing. It's just, nothing, it's just all melted and fused <laughs> together. 
and it's kind of starting to melt. I'll put a picture on Instagram. Oh, and you do see, it. You'll, yeah, see, yeah, you'll yeah. see the state of the junior mints. Yeah, so I think it's time for a new one. I think we should rename these senior mints because yeah. they're getting a bit old. Indeed. Oh, see, oh yeah. Elderly mints. <laughs> the elderly mints. That's the one. That's right. Thanks so much for listening to us. That was episode 14 of our season three. And uh, stay tuned next week for episode 15 of Bidwabasks season three. The junior mints. Catch you then. Oh!